Welcome to episode two of our first ever adventure through the Star Wars universe. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And I know nothing about Star Wars, but that's all about to change. Today, we're going into the garbage chute as we continue discussing A New Hope. Joining me today is my wonderful friend, Casey Winters. Casey, what's up? What's up, my man? Oh my god, I'm so excited to talk about this with you. Hello, or as Obi-Wan would say, hello there. Yes, I am so <laughs> excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, for those that don't know, Casey was my very first guest on That's What I'm Talking About. Oh my gosh, and that was so long And returned <laughs> several times as a fan favorite, so much so that when I asked our Discord server um, for recommendations of, of Star Wars people to, to reach out to and connect with and who should I have on. It was a resounding Casey Winters has to come on. Oh my gosh. That's so nice. I'm yes. You have you have nice fans. So thank you to them. <laughs> and thank you. Thank you for having me. Well and it's uh, I mean it's very well deserved because I don't think I know anyone who loves Star Wars as much as you. So yeah. I, I don't think it would be right to do this without consulting you at some point. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I do love I do love Star Wars, and I'm very excited for when people get to jump in and and see it for the for the first time, and and hopefully not be like a I, fandoms can be very gatekeepy, and so that's mm-hmm. like the opposite of what I want. And I I just get very excited. Like this is your first time. That's super exciting, and. I don't expect you to love every little piece of it, and that's okay, and I'm just excited. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's it's my first time experiencing this. Can you tell me what your first time experiencing Star Wars was like or how you got introduced to this universe? Sure. I, I don't even remember a time before Star Wars. I was going to say, <laughs> I imagine that you just came out into the world. Pretty much, yeah. With Star Wars already like playing on a TV, and then you were immediately handed some kind of a, a Star Wars Lego set, is what I imagine. That's pretty close. I mean, <laughs> Star Wars Lego didn't come out till about 12 years after I was born. But <laughs> like, <laughs> Star Wars toys, yes. Yeah, but like, I I don't remember a time for, before Star Wars. It's literally one of my first memories is is watching A New Hope. Um, the the standout memories are like Darth Vader first being introduced in that white hallway. And then R2-D2 getting sucked up into that vacuum tube is like a very early core memory for me. I don't, I, I must've been worried about R2-D2 or something mm-hmm. like what's going on? What is this thing? But I, I absolutely loved it um, from, you know, my earliest, earliest memories. And it uh, never really stopped after that point so I was born yeah I was born in 87 so it was 10 years after A New Hope Um, but I was kind of in that early era of like we had the VHS tapes but it was before the prequels before anything else and yeah that was that was kind of the the sweet spot and I was at the perfect age to really um, enjoy the prequels and love them as they came out because they were kind of made for my age demographic <laughs> but yeah. so was star wars like a family thing was it was it a dad that introduced you um uh, usually it's dads yeah. that show people star wars for the first time um but i don't know might have been your mom might have been an aunt might have been a grandma it, w- it was my dad but my mom my mom liked both my parents really introduced us to a lot of old movies and um even movies much older than, than Star Wars, lots of black and white and, and old westerns and old classic Hollywood stuff. But um, my dad, 
he got to see Star Wars when it first came out. Uh, he was 17 when, when A New Hope came out and his brother had, had seen it. His brother, so my uncle, was a big um, science fiction fan and he went and saw this movie that no one had ever heard of and he came home and told my dad, like, you have to come see this. And so they went to um, went to see it and, and loved it. And so um, my dad, I mean, he wasn't like, you know, he wasn't, uh, he, he was well-rounded in terms of the movies he loved. So I, I don't know that I would say he was a Star Wars nerd in the sense that maybe I became, but um, he definitely enjoyed them and, and introduced them uh, to me for sure. And it was a family thing. Like all my siblings were into it. Like uh, even my sister, we would um, choreograph lightsaber fights on the trampoline. And, um, <laughs> we were yeah, making stop motion uh star wars videos with with our lego or our action figures or whatever and um it was definitely a family thing i love that that's so uh that's so cool that to think back on when this was first released and it was like this new mysterious science space movie and and you know a world before people before everyone knew what star wars was and being like you gotta come see this (laughs) right exactly like yeah because it's not really fair like you're jumping into this new but there's enough of this in the pop cultural zeitgeist that you've you've picked up things and i won't i don't know exactly what you have and haven't so i won't spoil anything but i know you can't really be blind in in any sort of true sense coming into this I yeah <laughs> it was much easier to go into lord of the rings mm. with like such little perception of like what it was about because it like and i say that even having like i watched the first i watched fellowship of the ring before i even started the podcast and like right. i remembered nothing about it you know and and so like there's yeah the way that star wars has permeated pop culture is just unlike anything else um i would say like the Marvel universe is like somewhat similar to the way that it's just become like, it's just like exploded with popularity, um, but not nearly to the extent that Star Wars has. Um, So I'm, yeah, glad to be, I feel like I'm finally starting to be in on all the jokes (laughs) (laughs) and like inside, you know, I've got the inside scoop now and I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. Casey, to catch you up to speed um, regarding my feelings on this film so far, I'm enjoying it. I'm not uh, necessarily blown away by anything sure. um, yeah. or uh, or surprised by anything. I find it very charming. Um, it's very, I don't know, endearing. Yeah. But kind of, kind of in a way that like uh, a five-year-old draws something and gives it to you and is like, I made this just for you. And you're like, that's so sweet. Thank you. And yeah. like, is it the best piece of art you've ever seen? No. Right. But like you appreciate the feeling and the joy that that comes with it, you know. Exactly. Um, so I'm I'm enjoying it, but also very aware of what it is at this day and age you right. know <laughs> well and i think that's the hard part about coming into it in 2023 is that um it was so seminal as a pop cultural touchstone it, it's basically the second blockbuster ever made after jaws right before it and um it's this amalgam of of so many things of of the hero's journey and all the big stuff that came after it is you can't divorce it from star wars and so that's hard coming into it now i'm sure is um you've you've seen you might not have seen this movie but you've seen its pieces in other things that you've seen in Mm -hmm. your life i'm sure and so it's it's like i said it's hard to divorce that 
and just yeah, see it was as very, how, how yeah, you would within, view it from um, there. you know, like five minutes, not even five minutes, within like 30 seconds of, um, uncle owen being on screen i was yeah. like well he's di- he's dying right. obviously yeah. he's going to die yeah. <laughs> like it was so obvious yeah um but i mean just like with how tolkien wrote lord of the rings and created this you know foundational created this foundation for the fantasy mm-hmm. genre there are so many things that uh, you look at in lord of the rings or whatever and you're like that's a cliche or that's a trope or whatever and it's because that's what was starting at all. And so, so much of this was just like kicking, kicking off this, this type of storytelling. Right. And it's very interesting because, um, so Joseph Campbell, who wrote like hero, hero with a thousand faces, he basically not created, but he researched the hero's journey and, and put it into one spot. Um, he often said George Lucas was his best student. Um, and George Lucas drew very heavily from that hero's journey, but also Lord of the Rings, even in early, um, and I don't know if you talked about this, but in early drafts of, of Star Wars, the introduction of Obi-Wan is almost word for word um, how Gandalf introduces himself in The Hobbit. And it's like, you can tell George Lucas is trying to create this Gandalf-like character and and... George Lucas isn't known for being a good writer. He just wants to get it on the page and then he can edit later. And he, like I said, he basically just copy and pasted the Hobbit onto the early draft of, of star Wars. Um, and, and you see, you'll see it, you know, throughout, uh, uh, the, the elements of Lord of the Rings that clearly he was influenced by. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, so picking up from our, uh, last episode, Luke has decided to become a Jedi. So he and Obi-Wan and R2 and C-3PO go, uh, to, I didn't catch the name of it, but they go to a a sketchy spaceport where their plan is to recruit some pilots, uh, a spaceship to get to Alderaan. Um, all of these words just sound all even the names like I have to like now with Lord of the Rings, every almost every name is just like second nature. I don't have to think about it or whatever, but yeah. I'm just like so back at the beginning where like I really have to think about like his name is Obi-Wan Kenobi and it's yeah. the planet Alderaan and like all the like totally different universe to get used to. Yep, you're you you had the vocabulary of Tolkien down and now you just have to throw that out the window and, yep, and dive and into new gone. vocabulary. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the first like 30 seconds of this particular section that we're discussing, so many transitions mm. and like establishing, there's like a side swipe of them traveling in the little um, space cruiser thing. Yeah. And then like they're standing on a cliff looking at the, at the city. And that's when Obi-Wan is like, this is a sketchy place. Like we yeah. have to be careful here. Um, and then like it's another side swipe and they're traveling again and then just like so much happening within the span of like 20 seconds um i did uh, also for your context casey the first time i watched this um our friend had some kind of digital version mm-hmm. of of like the original version or at least yeah. as close to it as you can get these days without yeah. having like you know the original reels or whatever yeah um so I'm glad I did that because I have that comparison now because uh, this all of the CG in yeah. this scene is so it's so atrocious. Yeah, I'm a little I'm a little frustrated that this is the section you picked for me because this is like the section of like 
all the egregious changes that happened over the years that George Lucas threw in there. And uh, it it's it is a little it is a little hard to watch. I don't know if if you know the the history of all of all these changes or. Um, I mean, you could do episodes. I kind of, and episodes I kind of loosely it. know, but yeah. I would love for you to, you know, share that with with me well, and the audience. It really comes down to George Lucas is very much um, has he has perfectionist tendencies, as many artists do. And you know, when he's making this in 1977, I think his his vision for what it could be um, was far in a way. Uh, discrepant from what was available in 1977 in terms of technology and um so it didn't ever quite match his his feelings about it which is is funny because people you know obviously loved this thing Mm -hmm. it it launched yeah notoriously he was he was so convinced that this was going to flop that instead of attending the premiere he went to hawaii with steven spielberg where they came up with the idea for raiders of the lost ark yeah exactly (laughs) yeah he he couldn't be in the same area of of where this thing is released Mm -hmm. um and so over the years you know as he his company got more money and um and as computer technology was was progressing um, he they they went back and made changes. Uh, Nineteen ninety seven was um, kind of the first big changes that they made, and uh, um, a lot of it was almost like a test run for the prequels because he knew prequels were going to be using a lot of CGI, um, and that's a, a technology that's up and coming. And so this was kind of a test for that, and so that's why you get these random shots of CGI robots and aliens and. Um, so it's kind of a like mix. the entire like city that they're in yeah. this like big establishing shot yeah. um, like a wide shot is just like it, it looks like it's out of a, a video game yeah um, which like for a video game quality you know in the 2000s would yeah. be fine but yeah. Um, yeah it's definitely like really jarring to yeah. to see there's just a long history of these changes like because they've happened a lot it wasn't just one change it was it was multiple uh, over the years. There was change for 1997. There was change for the DVD release and then the Blu-ray release. Like it's, he's changing things every few years and adding stuff and um, tinkering always. And so there's never, you know, people's view of this movie isn't just one thing. It's, it kind of depends on when they first saw it, I think. Right. Um, yeah. And to me, the sad part isn't even that the CGI is bad, although that, that is part of it. It's that, uh, I like when movies are a product of their time. I I'd like watching yeah. the original and seeing this thing was clearly made in 1977 between the costumes and the haircuts and and the um the model ships. Uh, I think the the CGI distracts from the real artistry of the model oh, ships that they yeah. were that were they were doing and even though that was um 1977 it, it feels more tangible and real than the than the computer stuff. Um so I think that's the the real tragedy is it's it it splits the movie into kind of two different things um, and it can't just stand on its own as yeah. um, it doesn't, I, to me, it doesn't need to be like a timeless classic. I like something that's, that's a product of its time. I think that's fun. Um, yeah. Like adding in all of this poorly done CGI ages it, I think more than if yeah. they had just left it alone. So there's this very kind of infamous line and moment where the the crew is coming in and they're stopped by stormtroopers and they're asking them what they're up to and then obi-wan does this thing with his hand where he kind of like swirls it around but very subtly um and says these are not the droids you're looking for and the stormtrooper goes these aren't the droids we're looking for 
And later on, Luke is like, wow, what a stroke of pure <laughs> luck. They, you know, and Obi-Wan is like, that was the force. The force can be used um, in really crafty ways against, uh, his word is like against weak minds. Yeah, the weak minded. So, yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this, uh, yeah, this is definitely something I've seen a lot in pop culture or being referenced. Another is like holding up your hand and doing something with your fingers and then saying, you know, these yeah. are not the whatever, you know, yep. <laughs> you want, you want to give me ice cream for, for dinner, mom, <laughs> like that kind of a thing. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> it, uh, very much. And this is where, you know, I am starting to make so many connections between all my different like nerdy things uh the way that the force is being used here is very similar to the ability axie in the witcher series which is just like a mind influence thing um but with that um with that ability they have to be like really careful and subtle about it so that like no one catches on and so they're not caught and so that's just kind of just seeing like a similar device used in another um piece of fantasy is making me think that like maybe this is something that will have to be used um will have to be like controlled and and used very like subtly or it could lead to you know trouble in the future um, so they pull up to this pub and Luke says, I'm ready for anything. And then, um, I will admit that I was not ready for jazz aliens. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, uh, I think this is because it's John Williams and yep. I'm assuming John Williams also wrote this piece of music. He did. Yeah. Um, but because it's John Williams, so much of the score, uh, you know, is, at least recognizable to me. So yeah. I have heard this before, but never in a million years would I have predicted it was like jazz yeah. in a like sketchy space bar. <laughs> this is very fun. It's the one gay bar. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely believe camp is the right word to describe this movie. Right. Well, and I, I don't even want to say it, but it has to be said. The the in-universe name for this style of music is actually jizz. Um, <laughs> so just, yeah. Who I'm, came I'm, up with that? Oh, George. George I mean, Lucas. obviously George yeah, Lucas. It's all George. Um, yeah. Just. Oh, George. It, I think the Star Wars fans would be sad if I didn't mention that, but I am kind of sorry you that, have I, to fulfill the duty. that I had yeah. to say that. Um, oh, my. So there you go. Take that. He couldn't have picked it. Also, it can't just be jazz. Right. Jazz sounds it can't just like be kind of music. Spacey. Right. Everything has it to have has a name. It has to be jizz. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um. I think and I is that? I wonder but... if that's kind of like a a Tolkien thing, where he was like, "I have to give a specific in-universe explanation and yeah. name for everything," when not necessarily when there wasn't necessarily someone asking for that, yeah, and someone just like filling in this information that it's like your story doesn't fall apart if we don't know what the name of the jazz genre is in right. this universe yeah i mean because most uh, y you'll find that so many of these things that you know oh, names of things and characters and and ships and there's lots of things that aren't actually mentioned in the movies it's all from um 
you know, the toys or maybe tie in comic books and, you know, the extra universe stuff. Um, and that luckily they don't say that in the in the movie because that would kind of ruin things. I don't know but. how they would. How do you say how do you say that with a straight face? Right. How do you present that as like this is a legitimate? I, I don't okay. know. Uh, I, I, I mean, I'm sure we can well, research the etymology yeah. of that word. I don't know that I really feel <laughs> like doing that. My guess is that it uh, like if he had to go, if he was literally just looking at his keyboard being like, OK, jazz is spelled J-A-Z-Z. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. Um, and then he went he went past E yep. and was like, no, it can't be jazz. And then settled on jazz. Yep. I think I think it's just not like, jazz. It, it sounds close to jazz. Let's throw a different vowel in there and call oh it good. Gosh. And I don't okay. think he thought well, about it much. <laughs> thank you for informing me yeah. of this very important. I I thought you should know <laughs> information. <Yeah. laughs> so I was recently reading "The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet" by mm-hmm. Becky Chambers, um, and this book is also like sci-fi, and you come across a whole bunch of like different like alien species and like sentient beings and all this stuff and they come up with there's this phrase that's basically uh like racist but for space and Mm, it's like speciest Mm -hmm. um and immediately right off the bat this bar is speciest because c3po and r2d2 are not allowed to come inside (laughs) felt bad for them but c3po is such a gentleman and just doesn't want to cause any problems so he's they're happy to step outside people are immediately they immediately hate luke for kind of no reason uh, maybe it's his haircut. Who knows? Probably. It kind of escalates into a fight, and Obi Wan does not hesitate and just chops this uh, this other guy's arm off. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. <laughs> uh, with a lightsaber. Um, that's important info, yeah. I guess. Um, I I feel like that that I feel like the lightsabers are sometimes wielded way too la- lackadaisical. Mm. Where I'm like, you can. Like, you can sever people with that, with, like, one accidental swing of that. Like, watch where you're going. And, like, they're in this crowded bar. Like, I'm surprised more people didn't get hit by this. Right. Well, and I think that's why, you know, in-universe, it's usually a Jedi weapon because it it uh, it's not for, uh, you know, casual battles, I guess. <laughs> you got you to gotta really train for this thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Obi-Wan says uh, he's been talking to this tall furry guy, and he says this is... I don't even know if he says this is Chewbacca, um, but his first mate on their ship, they say they can help. And who, what is this? An attractive man skulking in the corner <laughs> yeah. of the seedy bar? Thigh high oh boots. Oh my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah thigh high boots. Um, someone leans over and goes, they call him Strider. <laughs> No, this is now our introduction to Han Solo. Um, So we've now met two additional um, iconic uh, characters from the universe. I don't think the name Han Solo was necessarily new to me, but I don't think I could have just like pulled that out of my brain Mm. out of nowhere. Definitely. I know like who Chewbacca is and who Chewie is. And then, of course, there are a lot of jokes about how in the fall, white girls adopt what is called the Han Solo wardrobe, which is like a long sleeve shirt, leggings, a vest and and tall and like brown boots. Yeah. It's a look. He knows what he's doing with it. And then winter, you get the Chewbacca look, right? Yeah. 
Uh, just go into a full, uh, full fur suit. Yep. For the war, it's hibern- hibernating for the winter. I'll have to insert whatever I was saying, whatever the room was saying. We were absolutely living for Han Solo, for young Harrison Ford. He is very dreamy. I And we met him in the in the darkened corner of a of a bar. Yeah. Oh, so hot. So important. That is very hot. This is extremely hot. Oh my god. <laughs> Okay, I'm interested in this move in this franchise now. <laughs> oh! What's he saying? What's happening in this scene? I don't know. The 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 blouse is like open mm-hmm. with his chest popping out. At one point, he Hassle puts his feet up on the table mm-hmm. and he's like leaning back against the wall. He he's a and we'll later learn he's kind of a he's kind of a bad boy. Yeah. He's kind of he's snarky. Mm-hmm. He he's kind of like an anarchist, uh, yeah. an an atheist essentially. Yep. Um you don't want to take him home to to meet your parents no. because they probably wouldn't approve. They would not. No, that's correct. And that just makes him all the more desirable. <laughs> uh, Han says that they can dra- they can fly them on their ship the Millennium uh, Falcon is yeah. how he says it. Mm-hmm. I would say most people most people say Falcon. I think um, most people do. I haven't heard too many people upset. I, I think I heard one person upset when someone said Falcon and not Falcon. But Falcon, yeah, that, that seems a bit much. Yeah, it me. was just something that it, it's just like one of those things that like has evolved so much in pop culture that like I. I like noted when it was said differently in the in like the original source. I was like, oh, yeah. he's really he's really saying like Falcon instead of Falcon. Mm-hmm. Well, and this is kind of a, a George Lucasism where, um, you know, he writes all this stuff in the script, but he doesn't always give his actors direction on how they're supposed to pronounce things. And so you'll get a lot of inconsistency with, um, you know, like later in the movie, someone calls her General Leah and he doesn't correct that actor and reshoot the scene. He doesn't really care that that much Um, yeah i've read some trivia about how he was notorious for being like very uncommunicative with everyone and would usually say where is it uh my massive um trivia document he would say things like slower or faster Mm -hmm. or or something and faster more intense would usually be the one direction that he would tend to give actors uh what i get from it is george lucas is very much an introverted shy kind of artist and so directing isn't his thing it's the it's the brainstorming and coming up with the ideas that's more his thing and so i don't think that he um not that he didn't get along with actors necessarily but just that he didn't really give them much um and was kind of in his own world i think Mm-hmm. That's really funny. I'm gonna try very hard to not, you know, compare things to my experience with Lord of the Rings, but yeah. just like such an opposite filming experience from like Peter Jackson right. and like they mm-hmm. had several linguists on on set to yeah. make sure that they were saying just the right accents yeah. and you know pronunciations. And Peter Jackson notoriously he made. Um, Elijah would record like his very last shot like 10 times right. just because he didn't want to 
end it. Yeah. Um, so such a like interesting experience to be coming right. off of and then moving into this. Well, and, and to George's credit, like everyone thought the script was like, what is this thing? Like you read the script and it's just not very good. Like this movie is saved because of the way it's edited and the sound and the music. And, um, but as a script, it, it wasn't really impressive to anybody. So I don't even know if, if he had even given directions on how to pronounce this thing, if any of the actors would have even like cared, like, why, why are you telling me this? This is just a weird science fiction movie, you know, when sci-fi movies weren't anything yet. So yeah, Luke is once again, being really whiny. Um, I was kind of warned ahead of time that this is not Mark Hamill's best acting (laughs) in these films. Um, And I see more and more of that in this movie as it goes on. Han is like, oh, we'll take you for 10,000. And Luke is like, but 10,000, that's too much. We don't have that. And Obi-Wan is like, hush. (laughs) Let the adults handle this. Oh, I love whiny Luke. But he, yeah, he is very, he is very whiny for sure. And Uh, I love it, you know, ironically, I guess. (laughs) So they eventually agree that they'll pay them some money now. And then when they get to Alderaan, they'll give them more than they agreed upon. So uh, Luke and Obi-Wan go off to sell something in order to make the money to give to Han and Chewie. Um, And on his way out, Han is stopped by... Greedo. Greedo is is Mm -hmm. who he calls them. Some other species, alien person. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, I do want to say that like this whole scene, I I, like forgot to mention it because immediately you walk into the bar and the first thing you need to talk about is the jazz music. But um, (laughs) the like character work and character designs in this scene are so fun and creative. And this is definitely where like the practical effects and the costuming and mm-hmm. the original like makeup and everything really shines. And like it's it's like, oh, this is really great. This is delightful. This is charming rather than like slapping on some, you know, um, CG that was created before it was like at a more advanced stage yeah. of technology. You well, know? there's a couple there's a couple shots where they went back and added CGI later to it. But for the most part, um, yeah, it's mostly practical that's intact um, and, and part of that's probably because they they reshot a lot of this cantina scene um, later in the shoot so I think the original original which we don't really see um, George Lucas was pretty unhappy with it and so they they reshot some some stuff and so I think generally he was fairly happy with the cantina stuff compared to you know all the CGI that we got prior to this and a little hmm. bit after it too so. interesting yeah this is where we learned that Han works for someone named Jabba Mm-hmm. Um, I think I had heard the name Jabba the Hutt yep. previously. So I was like, I'm assuming that's that guy. Yep. Um, and he is a smuggler for him. And something happened where he lost a shipment. Um, he says the line, even I get boarded sometimes. I didn't have a choice. And then he repeats that exa- <laughs> those exact lines yeah. in like almost the ex- like the very next yeah. scene. Um, so I wonder if that, that might've been part of the, the reshoots. Yeah. So what happened, um, this scene is a deleted scene, the scene with Jabba the Hutt. It's not in the original at all. Um, that's probably why. So so there's some dialogue that I think that they kind of, they had, and that he shifted it over to the Greedo scene, which we could talk about some of the changes in the Greedo scene. Cause that's like a a big yeah. deal a big deal in the fandom yeah so they have this um this heated exchange where han owes him money he doesn't have it all the stuff 
so in my original viewing of it with all of my friends in the room who were so, who were basically just watching me watch the movie, right. you know. So Han shoots Greedo. Yeah. And everyone shouted out, Han shot first. Right. Uh, Han uh, shot first. So fun fact in the like new version that they were going to have you watch. The other guy shoots first instead of Han. Yeah, isn't that so? They wanted to. Because he wanted to be a good guy, but like. Oh, is that he's a rogue? Whatever. Yeah. Han shot first, and I was like, I don't think I know what that means, but yeah. okay. Yeah. And someone explained to me that in later edits they made it look like because they wanted to make Han look more like a good guy. Yeah. Rather than this, like, very morally gray, like, he's only in it for his own gain at this point. In the version that is on Disney+, Plus, which is what I've been watching to prepare for recordings, you do see, it's very brief, but you do see the, you do see Greedo shoot out something like a millisecond before Han shoots him. Yeah, so this one's changed a lot over the years because, so in the original that you saw, Han shoots. He doesn't even shoot first. He just, he shoots. Greedo doesn't shoot at all. Um, And uh, it was, you know, part of his character. And then uh, for the special edition, they changed it. George felt like, I'm going to call him George like I know him. But um, (laughs) that's how I've been referring to him. (laughs) As if I've met the guy. But no. uh, Yeah. So George, he, he felt like maybe that was a little too cold blooded. And so he added a little shot that Greedo shoots first. And, and there's this really janky fake looking shift of Han's body to the side to come almost like he's dodging but Han didn't do that you know Harrison Ford didn't do that on set so it's clearly been edited and just looks terrible um and then Han shoots after Greedo shoots and so then there was this huge hubbub among the fans that no Han shot first was the saying um and then it kind of undercut his character that he wouldn't have shot Greedo because that's kind of the point of the scene is that Greedo's talking and Han just shoots him and that's part of Han's character um but it's been it's been changed gradually over the years from that really clunky version to what you see in Disney plus now where they've they've made it um less obvious and they're basically shooting at the same time now um but yeah that that scene's been changed mm-hmm. a lot <laughs> <laughs> such a small moment to like hyper fixate on right well I mean that's that's the the crux of being a fan and especially Star Wars fandom is hyper fixating on small details yeah (laughs) i think there's like some other stuff in between but after this there is a scene where he talks with jabba yeah and i when i was re-watching it for this i was i have zero memory of watching this i was like i have no memory of this i have no memory of this place did did we even watch this and then i was like maybe i was i was probably talking to someone during this or whatever i wasn't paying attention but hearing from you that this was a deleted mm-hmm. scene and it wasn't in the original version, which is what I watched the first time. Yeah. That makes so much more sense. Yeah. And Jabba wasn't even originally an alien character. So they shot the scene with just a human guy. He's wearing like this. He's like a bigger guy with a big beard and he's wearing like a hairy vest. And he was going to be Jabba, um, this character that George Lucas had the idea for. But they cut that scene completely. And, you know, like I said, they kind of refit it with the Greedo stuff. Um but that's why it it looks weird, you know, Han passes behind him and they had to figure out, well, he's this alien character. What do we do? And so they have him step on his tail and Jabba screams oddly. But uh, yeah, originally it's just a human, a human dude. Interesting. Super interesting. Yeah. And I can't really explain. I mean, I don't want to go too much into it because of Jabba. But uh, yeah, it, it was a deleted scene and they put it back in and they kind of had to add the CG stuff in it. Uh, 
and it makes it weird. You're right because he repeats the line exactly as he says it to Greedo. Just you yeah, know, a to few the point before. where I was like, did they just copy and paste this exact same right. audio? Because when he says it the first time, I can't remember if you necessarily see him say it. Oh, yeah. If it was like something that. It's not on him when he says it. So maybe they just took the audio. Yeah, it's like almost like the exact same delivery mm-hmm. as well. And so we just learned that Han is working for Jabba the Hutt and he promises to give him some of the, you know, uh, a cut of this payment that he'll receive when he gets to Alderaan. Yeah. Right before they're ready to take off, they are discovered by stormtroopers. Luke and Obi-Wan were followed by, it's a very random like plague doctor looking <laughs> alien <laughs> creature. Um, and there's no explanation. I don't think at least that I was given at this point in my knowledge of like who this is. Why is he following them? How is he related to the to the Empire? But he tips the stormtroopers off about where they've headed. So we get a little bit more of a, a f- an- another fight scene before they take off and fly away. They have to lose the Imperial ships i don't yeah. i don't remember destroyers. all the terminology yeah, the destroyers uh-huh. yeah <laughs> um they're still being followed so they go into it's either like hyperspeed or light speed mm-hmm. um but like another i think kind of iconic imagery of like the the like front of the of the spaceship looking out into space um, going into like these like white lines yeah. coming at you. And so they're kind of like in another, as I understand it, they're in like another like dimension or like sub layer of space to get to Alderaan. Yep, pretty much. It's a, it's a lot of uh, Luke in this moment being like, what is that doing? <laughs> That's blinking. That's what does favorite. that What's mean? That flashing is my one of my favorite lines of oh Luke's forever. I, I love that. There's just a red light flashing and he has to ask about it like a little toddler and it's great. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, honestly. Meanwhile, on the Death Star, um, the mind probe that they were using on Leia is not working. So General Tarkin brings her in and they try a new tactic um, where they point the Death Star at her planet, Alderaan, and this essentially forces her to reveal the location of the rebel base on Dantooine, and then they blow up Alderaan anyway. In this scene, Carrie Fisher, she almost gets like... She almost has sometimes like a transatlantic mm-hmm, yeah. delivery yeah. with her lines. Like there's one line she says about like, the more you tighten your grip, Tarkin, the more star systems will slip through your fingers. It's like so liquidy yeah. and like smooth to yeah. the ears. And I couldn't quite figure out what, how that was different because she's not using a British accent or anything. Right. Um, so eventually I landed on it's like transit. It's that it's that accent that people used in like old timey move. I say old timey, whatever, right. like in the, you know, third, like 50s. That's kind of British. It's like American British. Yeah. And again, I think it's part of it is is Carrie Fisher still finding her character. But then also George Lucas not really paying attention to that kind of continuity. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not necessarily complaining because like. Yeah. She is serving oh, in yeah. this. I love movie. I love Leia and Carrie Fisher. I think this is Leia at her best, which is kind of sad to say because that's the first one. But um, yeah. I just I 
I I really like Leia Yeah, when here. they like bring her out of her cell, yeah. she like immediately has like five quips yeah. for General Tarkin. Yeah. I should have known it was you holding Darth Vader's leash and I'm surprised <laughs> you have the courage to deliver my death sentence yourself and yeah. all this stuff. Then we cut to Luke and Obi-Wan training on the Millennium Falcon. Excuse me, Falcon. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. <laughs> and uh, Obi-Wan goes, I feel a great disturbance in the force. And then he goes like, as if like a million people were screaming and suffering. And then all of a sudden they blinked out of existence and like very detailed description of like Pretty dark stuff. a planet yeah. blowing up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we kind of learn a little bit more about the force here, but it is still kind of this like vague, I don't want to say magic because mm-hmm. that that's potentially could be triggering for the fandom i don't know but it's like a vague system still yeah because he's like you can feel it flowing through you let it direct your energy and then luke is like so it controls your actions and then he goes no and you know (laughs) (laughs) it it is yeah it is a bit vague and uh I, i don't know that anyone would would get triggered by magic i think it's just another way of of bringing magic into this world even if they don't actually use that phrasing but i didn't know if that would be potentially like insulting i wouldn't i wouldn't think so but i don't know star wars fans find lots of things insulting that i don't so that's also true (laughs) r2d2 c3po and chewy are playing like in my head i'm thinking of wizard chess from harry potter Mm -hmm. where like the chess pieces move around all themselves and so they're doing like holographic space chess Mm -hmm. basically they're playing some game providing like some great you know like quips and like comic relief moments and this is yeah this is where we get more of that like kind of snarky dryness coming from han solo where he's like see that's the difference between you and me you believe that there's a greater you know, there's a greater thing to this universe. Well, I control my own fate. I don't believe in any of that hokey nonsense. Yeah. And so then they get an alert that they are arriving at Alderaan, but they emerge and <gasps> it's not there. There is no Alderaan. There is a a space fighter. Tie fighter. Do you know what the- it's a tie fighter. See, here's the thing. You know, you've talked about lots of things and I'm always like biting my tongue. Like I could tell you the actual name of this thing. (laughs) If you're able to say like that thing that you keep calling a thingy (laughs) is called a Dewey. (laughs) Uh, I'll try to. Yeah, I'll try to have the balance there. It's it's uh, it's hard being a know it all for years about Star Wars and trying to hold back a little bit. Don't worry, Casey. Over the next, you know, couple of months, uh, you can just like slowly release your your Star Wars knowledge okay. on me. I, I'll do that. <laughs> I promise I will not be scared off. I think you and I have been friends long enough that it's uh, hopefully it's not, uh, uh, you know, me being a know-it-all. <laughs> no, it's always helpful. It's always welcome. It's why you're here. Thank you. So this this other this Tie Fighter, as I've just been informed, which stands for Twin Ion Engine. There, there it is. I'm done. <laughs> so this Tie Fighter is following them, and there's like so much exchange about like what is it doing out here? How did it get here? It's too small to get here by itself. Well, yeah. and then finally, and someone goes, "Oh, it's he- follow follow it. It's going off towards that small moon." Yeah. And then they slowly get closer, and Obi Wan goes. That's no moon. 
And yeah. I, I'll, I'll admit, I got like, ooh, yeah. like that was a that was a cool line. Right. Well, I want to know. So yeah, back to that a little bit. Like they're talking about this Tie Fighter because they know what this thing is in the universe. You have no idea what this thing is. And George Lucas does that a lot. Like this in media res is like the term for you're you're being thrown into this universe in the middle yes, of it. Yes. And so I'm curious if you like that or if you're like, no, I want to know the background. <laughs> no, that is really that's a really great question because that's something that I actually I like wanted to talk about in the previous episode. Yeah. But there was just there's just like so much to talk about that sure. I like totally forgot. So my friend Christina is a She's a book editor. She has her own publishing company. She's worked for a publishing company. She writes books. And she says that the best way, a lot of people will ask her, like, how do I start a book? How do I start writing or whatever? And she says, start your book when the plot is already happening. Like, start your your book when the plot starts. And J.R.R. Tolkien started his books... 150 pages before right. before the plot yep. started. And it feels like George Lucas started his story 150 pages after <laughs> the plot started. <laughs> so it definitely feels, it, it definitely was a little bit jarring just yeah. immediately being thrown into it yeah. and really having to pick things up. But at the same time, it is kind of refreshing to not just be like spoon fed everything Mm -hmm. and have like there are definitely like, you know, still moments where like a character in the universe has to ask a question so that the viewer can understand what's going on. Um, And so far, a lot of that has fallen to Luke. (laughs) What's that flashing? (laughs) (laughs) It's really important to know. I want to know what's the flashing. What's that flashing? (laughs) So it, it is nice. It is refreshing. And it like does set like a really really great pace for the movie that like okay we're already going there's no there's no long extensive shots of them walking through middle earth you know so that is nice but at the same time it is like really fast paced and it is a lot to like keep up with i'm i'm really interested that you said that because i've talked to other people that have watched this one in particular for the first time and they feel like it's slow and i mean it probably might feel a little bit slow 1977 but um when this movie came out, like one of the few criticisms that people had was it's too fast um, for that for that time period. We're coming out of an age with pretty slow movies. And so, yeah, I, I'm just interested in how you feel pacing wise. It's moving. Yeah. So they get pulled into the Death Star tractor beam. That's yep. the phrase I was trying to think of earlier <laughs> of where in my notes, I think I, I wrote down and something that's right. I wrote down, Obi-Wan goes off to shut down a power system or something. (laughs) (laughs) That's accurate. (laughs) I couldn't remember what it was. Anyway, so they get sucked in with this tractor beam. Obi-Wan is like, you know, we don't have to, like, fighting isn't necessarily always the answer here. And they end up hiding underneath the floors in the compartments that Han uses to smuggle stuff. And he's like, I never imagined I'd be smuggling me. (laughs) They land. They're not detected. There's this really interesting moment where... So I've read some trivia that the actor who played the the body of Darth Vader... Yeah. um, David Prowse. David Prowse, Mm -hmm. yes. Um, And then, of course, famously, James Earl Jones, who voiced it, Mm -hmm. um, never met. Nope. And... I absolutely believe that based on this like one moment where Darth Vader goes like, I sense a presence, something I haven't felt since. 
And then he just turns and goes off. Yeah. And it's like, I understand what was supposed to happen here is that he's he's thinking back to when he last felt this presence. Mm-hmm. Um, spoiler alert, he's referring to Obi-Wan's presence. Yeah. Like, I get that. But it, there was just such a disconnect between like the voice mm-hmm. acting and like the physical acting yeah. that it was almost comical. Well, and you'll have to look it up. So David Prowse is Scottish and... Uh, He's a big guy, obviously, but he doesn't necessarily have a big sounding voice. Um, and so you can find uh, footage of, you know, pre James Earl Jones dub of just on set, you know, him speaking the lines on set. But he's just this Scottish guy <laughs> and it's not a very um, formidable sounding Scottish guy. And it's pretty humorous. I'd, I'd That's recommend great. that. <laughs> yes. Here's a fun piece of trivia. Peter Mayhew and David Prowse were given a choice to which mm-hmm. giant mm-hmm. character they wanted to play, Chewbacca or Darth Vader. Mayhew wanted to play a good guy and Prowse wanted to play a bad guy. So they ended up playing those respective characters. Well, and it, it couldn't be any other way you look at what Peter Mayhew looks like and he's got this long curly hair like he looks like he would be Chewbacca he was made if anyone was made to play any of these to roles be Chewbacca, that's um, great. In, in all of Star Wars Peter Mayhew was made to be Chewbacca <laughs> and I was thinking like watching these scenes because there is also a quip about Luke being short and so like mm. their height is definitely like very apparent and so I was yeah. thinking about who um who the actor was for uh, Chewbacca yeah. some stormtroopers go inside the ship to like search around and they <laughs> it's like so hokey that it's like, why did these stormtroopers not suspect anything at all? <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Was that someone just trying to pass off their voice as another stormtrooper? Yes. Yeah. Like these two guys go inside and then there's this loud thump and then they hear like, hey, we need some help up here. <laughs> it's pretty cartoony, yeah. Yes. Oh, so cartoony. Yes. Cartoony is a really great word to describe, honestly, a lot of what happens in this movie. Yeah. Well, and because this is what really interests me the most is like the behind the scenes stuff and um, kind of this movie's place in history. But uh, at the time, there wasn't a lot of movies for kids that um, that weren't treating them as babies so to speak uh you know it's you get a lot of cartoons or just movies that seem to talk down to kids um but george lucas was really a big fan of like these fun saturday morning flash gordon serials which this is heavily influenced by and wanting to kind of bring that to the big screen in fact this movie wouldn't exist if george lucas hadn't gotten the rights to flash gordon that's what he wanted to do um but but that didn't work out and so he created his own flash gordon-esque thing but it, it is um it is meant, you know, ultimately for kids. And so you will get some of that cartooniness in there, which is just a little bit silly. And and I don't, Star Wars fans, we all treat Star Wars pretty seriously, but um, I think Star Wars is silly and it, it uh, you, yeah. you can't get away from that. And I think that's okay. Yeah. In my first viewing, I, I mean, like granted, when you're watching anything in a room full of your friends you're always going to be laughing and like making commentary and whatnot. But like I laughed a lot more than I expected Mm, watching this movie because I mean, like obviously like part of it is that like it hasn't, there are parts that haven't aged well or it's just a little bit corny or cheesy or yeah, yeah, but it, it, it is way more silly than, than I thought it was. Mm, But I think that really for me at least 
that's what is making it a lot more fun yeah. and enjoyable yeah. than I thought it would be. And obviously, as you get through the series, it, it waxes and wanes. There'll be pieces that are more serious than others. Um, but I think that, I don't know, I think that it should be a little bit silly or at least being okay silly, with yeah. that. Yeah, which is so interesting because my impression of like the more recent films and like what mm-hmm. it is today is so like serious and like yeah. people take this very seriously and so seeing things like this happen and seeing like the cantina music yeah. scene and like all you know all these and like all the quips that like r2 and you know c3po have this is a very silly movie so yeah. i'm super interested to like see the journey yeah. i go through between all the different decades of movies right. too well and and that's that's the hard part for me with a lot of star wars fans is um, you get older, and so I think you expect the thing to get more mature with you. Um, and when it doesn't get more mature, then you have a harder time with it. And you see that a lot with, um, without going into details, there was a lot of backlash with the prequels, and there's a lot of backlash with the sequels. And I think a lot of it is um, that really it's you can't separate the age you are when you first saw Star Wars, but also the age you are when you're seeing the new stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And so... And I, I get it. There's parts of newer stuff that I'm like, that's that's maybe going a little bit too far silliness wise. But um, but then you have to remember, I mean, look at A New Hope. Like it it's a silly thing. There's um, there's basically a giant dog flying a spaceship. Uh, you know, there's giant space slugs and and weird aliens and there's jizz music. It's all a little bit silly. <laughs> Um, yeah, the next time anyone tells me to take Star Wars seriously, I'm going to say, I'm just going to say the phrase, jizz music, <laughs> and then walk <laughs> there you away. Go. That's it. That's all you need. Um, so they uh, take out these stormtroopers who are conveniently the same size as Luke and Han, um, and they put on their uniforms and they kind of like break into this control room um, where R2 kind of like plugs into the system they find out a place like in the ship that they need to go to to uh shut off the tractor beam so that they can leave um that's what han says he says we can't get out of here with that tractor beam still active so obi-wan's like okay i can easily go disable that you guys stay here Again, kind of whiny Luke. He's like, but I want to come with you. (laughs) And he's like, no, stay here. Then R2 realizes that Princess Leia is somewhere in the in the ship. And Luke says, oh, well, we got to go rescue her. And Han's like, nah, I'm not doing anything more than I signed up for. And then he goes, she's rich and she'll give you money. And he's like, great, I'm on board. Let's go. (laughs) So meanwhile, uh, Darth Vader and Tarkin are finding out that Dantooine is actually uh, an old rebel base location. So we find out that just like they, you know, lied to Leia about like, tell us the location or we'll blow up your planet. And then they did it anyway. Leia is also not that dumb. So she gave them a false location. And Darth Vader just continues talking about how he feels some kind of presence on the force. And he doesn't, and he's like, Uh, not since I was with my old master or something. And then Tarkin says, like, the Jedi are an extinct people. You are the last one. Um, And Darth Vader is like, hmm. And we kind of, like, just leave him thinking on that. Fun fact about Tarkin here. So uh, Peter Cushing, who's the actor, most of the shots you'll see are from the waist up. And he hated the 
like German looking boots. They were very uncomfortable for him. And so most of Tarkin's scenes, he's actually wearing slippers uh, and trying to be this very formidable, um, you know, imperial Person, officer. Yeah. But he's no, he's just wearing slippers. I wish I could do that. Right. When I, well, actually, I can do that during my job because I work from home. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, that's very fun. And I respect that. Han and Luke are still disguised as stormtroopers. They pretend to take Chewie captive. Um, Luke grabs a pair of handcuffs and goes like, here, let me put these on you. And then Chewie like yells at him. And then he turns to Han and goes, okay, Han's going to put them on you. Um, So just, you know, again, fun comedic relief. It's really great how much characterization we get from Chewie and R2-D2, despite the fact that they don't, yeah. speak english words oh yeah. you know <laughs> r2d2 is my favorite star wars character period. Yes! so that's um, what i said that's what i said um in the in the previous episode yeah. is that so far r2 is is my favorite I just adore the quips R2. that he yeah. has that you know you can't understand what he's saying but like you know what he's saying yeah. and he gets better in this original trilogy so just just wait oh man yeah I love it. I love it. I can't remember if I shared it in the previous episode, but just in case if I didn't, I want to share it. Kenny Baker was the actor inside of the R2-D2 outfit, mm-hmm. and he said that sometimes when the cast and crew would break <laughs> for lunch, they would forget he was yeah. in the R2-D2 yeah. unit and leave him. <laughs> Poor Kenny. And that makes me so sad to hear, but also like how believable yeah. It must have been that they're like, oh, yeah, it's just a robot. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they're over there taking care of uh, Anthony Daniels in his three C-3PO suit. Just fine. But they forget about Kenny. Poor Kenny. So we thank him for his service. Yeah. Han and Luke are trying to like break into this prison block and it like immediately goes sideways. <laughs> they're immediately suspected. Han says something in the elevator where he's like, this is never going to work. And Luke is like, what? Why didn't you say that? And he's like, I did say it <laughs> earlier. So they take out the guards that are there. And then Luke goes running off to get Leia. And then Han has this very amusing <laughs> conversation over the like telecom system. Um, that supposedly Mark Hamill, I wonder how much of this was him like making a choice as an actor or him just not wanting to learn lines. <laughs> um, but this part where he he's having a conversation with like the other crew that's checking in, they're like, hey, we got these alerts. Is everything OK? And he's like, um, yeah, everything's great. So awkward. Yeah. It, it's like when you are trying you're calling to make like a doctor's appointment but then they don't pick up and then you're like oh thank god you're like i'm so glad they didn't pick up and then it's like leave a voicemail and it's like what i wasn't prepared to leave a voicemail and so he's like uh yeah all good here um it's just some uh it's a reactor leak so it's very dangerous don't come here we're all fine bye and then then it's like what's your what's your unit number and then he just shoots the thing and says that was a boring conversation anyway this is my favorite han solo moment ever and i'm not like i I don't love hans i don't hate han solo but like i I was never into the kind of roguish characters that never really interested me but this moment is just perfect that we're all fine here now thank you how are you is just like (laughs) so good so good yeah luke finds leia this is where we get the the quip that she goes aren't you a little short to be a stormtrooper and then he goes 
it's a very another a very like cartoonish noise where he goes like oh and like take <laughs> and takes the helmet off and by this point stormtroopers are barging in this is where i am realizing how many like bullets are flying around and like not i think there's one stormtrooper that gets shot immediately and like falls over mm. on the floor and then no one else um so it's not a very effective <laughs> battle on on either side leia is she's keeping up the quips she and han are immediately arguing um and she's like wow what a great rescue you blocked the only way out and he's like you want to come up with something princess or whatever and so she shoots a hole into the like trash compact the trash chute vent <laughs> and <laughs> she says like she says something like, jump in, fly in, boy. Into the garbage shoot, fly boy, yeah. <laughs> That's it. I love that she immediately comes out, no <laughs> given. Oh, yeah. Guns blazing, yep. Leia's Yes, the best. guns blazing. <laughs> Absolutely love it. So they all dive into the trash chute. Let's see, kind of like, meanwhile, while all this is happening, Obi-Wan is like sneaking around behind, I don't know how no one is seeing him, because he's not very inconspicuous (laughs) he's just like hiding in between like corridors he's in a flowy brown robe like yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) um which is like very much like the mark at least like so far that i've seen like that's the uniform of like non-evil people you know like uh, of like either standard of like civilians or jedis you know and so it's like there's definitely a look to the evil people on the death star Mm -hmm. um and he does not fit that look. Right. Um, and then uh, C-3PO and R2-D2 are running into their own trouble back in the control room where some uh, troops are coming to, like, investigate what they're doing. So uh, Luke is trying to communicate with C-3PO. He's not answering the comms. Um, and then this, like, creature... So they're in this trash room, which for some reason is also like a pond. Um, And there's this creature in it. And there's this like long drawn out fight or struggle. I'll say struggle with it. Um, It has like a tentacle and it drags Luke under. And they're like, where'd he go? Where is he? And they're standing in like a foot of water. So I don't understand how they didn't just see him or... (laughs) reach down and pick him up or you know but yeah. they like lose him which mark hamill like burst a blood vessel in his eye in that yes. scene which so they had to shoot him which from one brings side. us <laughs> to this week's segment of is mark hamill actually a jedi no i'm just kidding um <laughs> that would be great though i got that reference um, for those that, for those that don't know um during that's what i'm talking about i had a segment uh, during the movies called Is Viggo Mortensen Actually a Ranger? in which I shared all these fun facts about all the ways that Viggo Mortensen nearly killed or injured himself <laughs> for the sake of the movie. Uh, and so I was kind of wondering, I'm like, is there going to be some kind of like similar recurring theme oh, in the man. trivia? I think, so I I guess think I'll have to see. the closest is Carrie Fisher. Is she really a badass? And the answer is yes. Yes. Um, that's yeah. probably oh, the closest. Yeah. Yeah, and I want to, I like this makes me want to go back and rewatch it, this scene, because yeah, it says he held his breath so long that he broke a blood vessel and subsequent shots are only from one yeah. side. 
this is actually very similar to a piece of Viggo Mortensen trivia where one day they all went surfing and he had a really bad wipeout and like half of his face was bruised. And so the scene in Balin's tomb in Fellowship, like when they're reading the diary right before the trolls attack, it's only shot from one Mm. side because the other side of his face is so heavily bruised. Anyway... (laughs) <laughs> and that concludes this week's segment of his big words and actually your Um, couldn't resist. Yeah, really crazy, really silly thing to do for for this movie. <laughs> um, and so he but like for some reason the monster just lets him go and they're like, I don't have a good feeling about this. And then the walls begin to close in and they're actually in a trash compactor room. And so they're like frantically trying to like hold the walls up and push them in. Um, They grab like this piece of pipe that like is so clearly just like a foam prop piece. (laughs) Like a lot of these are very clear like foam prop pieces. Um, They're trying to climb up on top of everything. Um, Han... Watch where you're putting those hands on Leia. <laughs> like his hands are on her butt like the whole time <laughs> trying to like hoist her up. So they're running into trouble. And then this is definitely, I think, the worst of Mark Hamill's like whiny screechiness mm. because he's going like 3PO, oh. 3PO, stop it, 3PO. <laughs> 3PO! Just, we need a Tyler Carlin 3PO. He would always throw out Mr. Our mutual friend Tyler loves to just yell 3PO, and it's my favorite favorite thing because it's. I'll such text him about a perfect that. Impersonation be, I didn't know that was. I, I didn't know that was specific to, Tyler, specific Carlin to Tyler Carlin. So yeah. he'll be happy to know that I now. Now you know, know the that. truth that, yeah. yeah. I know mm-hmm. the lore. <laughs> Back in the control room, C-3PO and R2-D2 came up with a very clever idea where they hid in a closet and pretended that they were hiding from whoever had attacked that room previously. And so the stormtroopers come in and they're like, thank God you're here. They went that way. And they're like, great, thanks. Oh, shoot. I meant to bring up. It was a very like fun quip as Luke and... Han are leaving. C-3PO is like, what do we do if they come looking for us? And they, and he says, like, lock yeah. the doors and hope they don't have blasters. <laughs> and he goes, like, that's not very reassuring. <laughs> but that's why this is why I love the droids, because the Empire always underestimates the droids. And mm, they yeah. just are like, yeah. oh, OK, yeah, we, we trust that you're just droids for the Empire. They can get away with a lot. And I love that. Yeah. C-3PO gives me a lot of cheaty energy from the good yeah, place i i uh i grew up really disliking 3-3po and i think it's a case of you dislike the character that reminds you the most of yourself <laughs> because i am very much a C- I, as i am a cheaty I, like so cheaty. casey the real the real answer here is that um c-3po reminds me a lot of you yeah. but i didn't want to say that were outright. you really gonna say that <laughs> Because it did that makes some of me... his tendencies and mannerisms <laughs> reminds me. That actually me. makes me very happy. And <laughs> okay. I love that you brought Cheaty in there to kind of bait me into talking about it in this way because you know that I love Cheaty so you. much. And yes, I, I am a C3PO. That's that's very true. <laughs> <laughs> so uh R2 finally like reconnects to the spaceship. 
they get back in contact just in the nick of time and they shut off the trash compactors and they're like cheering <laughs> and it's very it's like very cute and wholesome they're very like they're like wahoo yeah. And then on the other side, C-3PO goes, oh, no, they're dying. It. Listen to their, listen to the sounds of them dying. What have I we done? I think it's so funny. <laughs> and Luke has to say, no, you know, you saved us. Classic. I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. That is the end of the piece of the movie that we'll discuss today. But before we wrap up, there are still a few uh, fun pieces of trivia that I want to share. The first is that studio executives were unhappy that Chewbacca had no clothes (laughs) and attempted to have the costume redesigned with shorts. And now I can't get the image of like Chewbacca in jorts out of my head. Or like they could have done a shirt like a Winnie the Pooh situation, I think. But... Yeah, I'm I'm glad. I'm glad that didn't happen. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, this is another one that like, I'll have to go back and and look for it. When the stormtroopers are entering the room where C-3PO and R2-D2 are hiding, one of the actors accidentally bumps his head on the doorway. It was always believed that this happened due to actors limited visibility. However, the actor Laurie Good said that he was distracted by an upset stomach that day. (laughs) Four takes of the shot were filmed that day, and the last one, which included the bump, made it into the movie. (laughs) In the special edition that came out in 97, a sound effect was added to accompany the bump. So I think that's very funny that they... It might not have been on par with the Viggo Mortensen Mm. helmet kick that that's the take they kept in the movie. Um, it might have been more, I wonder if they just didn't notice it until they had already chosen that take. Um, but I like that they kind of embraced yeah. it to be a comical movie. In fact, that that idea will come into play in the prequels without spoiling anything. But um, that, that, that'll that be an Easter egg later down the line. With the head bump? Yeah. That's so fun. Okay, so then I definitely should go back and, and pay attention and see that Yeah, I mean, happen. just knowing it happens is fine. I don't think you have to watch it, but... Uh, no, I'm back. going to. Oh, okay, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Casey, we finally did this thing that I, uh, I, I've i been wanting to do for a while, which was discuss Star Wars with you. Um, and then there were like so many delays with me getting this started. So thank you so much for finally joining me and doing this. Um, I, I want to pretend like you would sit down and talk about Star Wars whenever, but I still appreciate the time that you take to do that with I me. Would, I would literally sit down and talk about Star Wars with anybody. That's accurate. But I do I, I do appreciate being being on. And um, yeah, thanks, thanks for having me. It was so much fun. Uh, do you have anything that you want to share with the audience? Anything, um, any social media that they can follow you on? I guess. I, uh, I kind of do a little bit of photography just for fun, write some poems. Uh, it's very low key. I think I have, you know, a couple people that follow me as all, but uh, it's on Instagram, uh, w as in D-O-U-B-L-E-Y-O-U. Um, yeah, just, just some photography, some poems. I wrote some poems uh, about um the genocide you know going on in palestine i think that's important to address um but uh yeah feel free to free to feel free to follow me i highly recommend following him because the photography you do is amazing and fun and the poetry that you write is really wonderful thank you as well and so i always love seeing like a nice little surprise come across my feed whenever you post something. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, before you can rescue Princess Leia, 
You got a Skywalk Before You Run. Skywalk Before You Run is hosted and edited by me, Mary Clay Watt. The cover art and music is by Jason Hilton. Follow the podcast on Instagram and threads at Skywalk Before You Run. Follow me on TikTok and Twitch at MCWhatsApp and on Instagram at MCTurnDownForWhat. Go to patreon.com slash TolkienAboutPod to become a supporter of this podcast, join the Deus Ex Media Discord server, and gain access to bonus material. This podcast is a proud member of the Deus Ex Media Network.